everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Outdoor PM School podcast, where we explore product management careers in the outdoor industry. We talk with PMs from top outdoor industry brands and ask them about their career path, what it's really like to be a PM, and any advice they would give others aspiring to follow the same path. My name is Dawson Westensko, and I'll be your host. During this episode, we talk with Rick Sayes. Rick is the host of the popular Outdoor Biz podcast. He also writes, does photography, and is a mentor in the Skip Yowl Future Leadership Academy. Rick has worked for some top brands in the outdoor industry, including Mombell, Jansport, and the legendary Dana Designs. This episode is brought to you by OutdoorPMSchool.com, an eight-week online course designed for aspiring outdoor industry product managers. Check out OutdoorPMSchool.com to learn more about who we are and how we can help. Good morning, Rick. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dustin. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to talk more about your career in the outdoor industry and, and product management. And, and man, we first met a few months ago uh, when I was on the Outdoor Biz podcast, and we've kept in touch since then. And I've been a big fan of what you're doing. Thank I have you. to admit, it's kind of fun to switch roles and to put you on the other side of the mic. <laughs> it's fun for me too. I don't get to be on this side <laughs> of the mic. So it's uh, a, I'm flattered that you uh, want me on. That's awesome. And uh, B it's yeah, it's super fun to, to get a different perspective and answer some questions for a change. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, as I mentioned, you've had a super interesting, diverse career in, in the industry and maybe we can just start by giving a quick overview of kind of your background and what, you know, how product management has played into your path. Yeah, um, I kind of stumbled into the industry. I was, um, you know, I've been an outdoors kid since since I was an outdoor person since I was a kid, and got a degree in outdoor recreation, and ended up working at a, a outdoor sixth grade outdoor school at Captain Palomar down in San Diego. And on weekends, was working for A sixteen, and in the summers, I was a river guide. And somewhere along the line, I think when I was river guiding, we started a little business and the guys wanted me to go to uh, the first, an outdoor retailer show, not the first one, to buy stuff for our shop. Mm-hmm. And I was there and got introduced to the folks that were bringing Montbell into the U.S. And so they hired me as their first rep. So that's how I got into the, the traditional outdoor industry as a sales mm-hmm. rep. And, you know, I was at Montbell for two or three years and went to Eagle Creek as a customer service guy and got moved up to sales. I was eventually the director of sales there. And I think my experience just in the outdoors as a kid and at A16 and, and guiding and all that, you know, it connect, you just get connected to product because mm-hmm. you're out in the elements, you're doing whatever activity is you're doing and you're using product and you're always, you know, my grandfather was a tinker and a designer. So I have a, a bit of a design tinker you know, gene in my body. And I'm always mm-hmm. looking at product thinking, ah, this needs this, or this needs that, you know? And over the years, um, most of my career has been in sales and marketing, but eventually, and, and it's as a, if you're a good sales guy, you, you want to have input into product. And I think if mm-hmm. you're a good product manager, you want input from sales and marketing both into product. And so I've always been around product. I worked on a lot of projects at Eagle Creek and various places, but eventually just decided, you know what, I want to I get into product. I think it's, it'd be more fun. It's, um, I thought it was going to be less travel. It turns out it was about the same amount of travel, because, <laughs> you know, overseas, more right? Yeah, yeah. more international, right? Yeah. You know, I flew a hundred thousand miles one year in Eagle Creek and never left the U S so, um, it's still a lot of travel, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, being a product guy, I just wanted to take my stab at that. So that's how I got into the product management side of it. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, product management really is that it's that nexus of of the creative side of the world with yeah. the business side. And and I totally agree. Having having some degree of sales experience and or you know and or marketing experience is so important, right? Because you're the person that is talking with so many different people in all parts of the organization. You really have to have a solid understanding of that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I tell people too. I think you know, I've, I uh, I'm a mentor for in the Skip Yell uh, Future Leadership Academy, and I'm working with a guy who's a product manager right now. And and I think it's really crucial that product managers get out and use the product that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that they understand the retail component, what it looks like at retail, what where it's positioned at retail, the packaging, all those things, and then also the competition. I mean, you've got to know what the competition is doing at retail. So there's really, those are the three top things I try to, to tell all the new product managers I work with. And at Jansport, I was, uh, that was my first job as a product management guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was uh, more of a product, um, I kind of led the whole category. So I worked with product managers and designers, but I was always telling people, you got to get outside, man. You got to see how that fits on your back. You got to see how it rubs your shoulders the wrong way, the right way, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and you got to know the competition because if you're over designing it and it's going to be beautiful and awesome, but it's a thousand dollars, ain't going to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know if you've read the innovators dilemma. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a quote that's coming to mind. I wish I had the actual quote, but uh, basically says you have to get out into the field and have like an excursion into understanding the consumer because what I've yeah. found and, and one of the points of the book is that you can ask people what they want and they'll tell you what they think they want. But until you actually see them use the product or see them shop in an actual store or, you know, to see what they, what they value and how they actually make decisions. uh, You know, you, I think you need both of those things. Like you said, it's, it's, it's kind of mixing those things together and and you were involved. And when you were involved at Dana, were you doing uh, Dana designs? Were you doing, uh, sales and marketing at that point? I was more like a general manager at that point. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, they brought me in as sales and marketing guy, but we reported in up to the uh, snowboard guys. Hmm. And um, Brent Turner was the guy I reported into, and he was uh, he was the head of the whole snowboard division. And he was obviously super busy with that because it was significantly larger than Dana Design mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much left us alone. So we had our own little room, and we were always back there tinkering with product. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was super fun. We had a blast. Yeah. And so when you were at Jansport, you know, again, you had been doing sales and marketing. What was that first six months for you as a new PM when you kind of jumped into that different role? You know, it's interesting. It was pretty um, familiar because I'd been involved so much, but it was the first time that I was exposed to a formalized product management, product development process. Mm-hmm. And so creating, you know, having being the guy that had to create all the information that was used to track and monitor and present what we were doing for my category, the outdoor category was totally unique. Mm-hmm. It was, it was similar in that I'd been creating sales and marketing presentations and whatnot and knew the numbers side of it and that, but it's just different numbers and different ways of looking at things and, and different presentations. So that was really the, the big surprise for me. I never, and it, you know, the, all the other places I'd been, you know, Eagle Creek, we were just starting out. So we had a, we had a process, but it wasn't as, documented and formalized and, mm-hmm. it you know, it wasn't a traditional, a really formal go-to-market process. So VF had that buttoned up really tight. And were you, did it, 
did it surprise you as far as when you actually got into the to the timelines and the roadmap? Like, was that a surprise for you? You you know, because I, what I what I observe is that when you're in some of those other roles, you have you know you come in at different parts of the process. Yeah, yeah, right. So you have an understanding, but until you're really on the product team, you don't quite understand the whole breadth of of how that comes together. Was did you find that when you jumped um, in there? Yeah, no, that wasn't surprising because I think. You know, my experience in the outdoors and the brands I've worked with, there's a seasonality to it. And that Mm -hmm. seasonality is driven a lot by the time it takes to get the product to market. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, and I'd worked closely enough with some stuff at Eagle Creek and Dana both that I knew the development cycle of creating, you know, a brand new shoulder strap, for example, or a brand new molded buckle, or, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we even developed new fabrics and new materials. And so you understand that cycle. Uh, which is, you know, sometimes can be pretty long depending on how complex the the piece is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, the, and that just drives the whole seasonality of the of the the product rollout. Yeah. So, what what was the biggest surprise for you when you started? Um, gosh, I don't know. I was. I guess it was just all the different types of um, spreadsheets and things. It was. I you know, like I say, I was used to creating spreadsheets, but I didn't create them with products, and I'd mm-hmm. never been as involved with all the marketing folks and all that right. stuff. The, you know, the go to market thing was the big thing. I was always the sales guy, and I knew that marketing had a role. I never was responsible for it. And never helped create it before. Mm-hmm. So all those pieces were, um, probably that was the biggest surprise. Yeah. Uh, so what, what was the biggest challenge for you as you, as you, and, and again, you, you were at Jansport for a while and then you were also at, um, at low pro low pro. Yeah. And, and so what was the biggest challenge? What did you find the hardest part of being a product manager? Uh, the forecasting part. I mean, that's always a wild card. You know, you got everybody, you know, sales typically has, you know, they want to get the big dessert, not the small dessert. And (laughs) the product design guys, the development guys, you know, they, they want to get the coolest dessert that's there with all the sprinkles and the fancy, you know, whipped cream on top. And the production guys are going, wait a minute, we can't, that's going to add, you know, time to get it made and all those things. So all those things are probably the biggest challenge of getting all those pieces lined up to hit the, the go to market date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so did you, I mean, how did you get those numbers? How did you pull those together? Were you working a lot with the sales team or were you putting together forecast yourself or how did, how did that work at those different brands? Well, both of those brands at uh, Dana and Eagle Creek, it was pretty much driven from, from top down, but that was mm-hmm. years and years ago. And I think the product management role, and you can probably attest to this, it's changed and evolved and they really drive the bus. And mm-hmm. so we were really, you know, looking at all the numbers from all the, like at low pro, we had, you know, people like, uh, Best Buy and, and target and all these other things, places we sold to had drove big numbers. But in addition to that, we sold to the small outdoor stores. Mm -hmm. So the numbers were all over the board, but, but the product manager, the product team got a look at all of that and previous store. It was all a combination of sales, marketing and everything in one to come up with the, the go to market numbers and forecasts and dollars and units and and time Mm -hmm. of delivery and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the unique challenges working in outdoor is that, you know, whether you're in Target and Best Buy or whether it's REI and other large retailers, right. you have to balance forecasting for a massive retailer with these right. with these hundreds of independent shops, right? Or three to five stores or in, or just one independent shop. And, and it's a challenge, right? Because it can mm-hmm. cause a huge swing in what you're forecasting and, 
And so, yeah, that, uh, that, that could be pretty tough. Well, and there's a lot of pressure because a lot of times too, I would get to go to the presentations and make these pitches to the, mm-hmm. to the, the buying team. And, you know, if you, you forecasted a certain number because you thought Best Buy was going to pick up these three pouches and they decided to pick up two and this one goes away, you know, that impacts your volume and impacts a ton of things upstream and downstream that you don't really think about. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a pretty big challenge. And then I think in this environment, probably the last guy, I think I left Low Pro in 2015. It's been a pretty bumpy road at retail. And I guess it always is, but it's been more bumpy in my mind in these last few years because of the economy and retailers going out of business and, and, you know, not that many new ones coming in, not big ones Mm -hmm. anyway. And when a big retailer like Best Buy, we went through the the Best Buy challenge when they were struggling and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden your Best Buy numbers just plummet, you know, and then you've got all this excess inventory that you've got to figure out how you're going to liquidate and market down and all those things. So that's a whole unique set of challenges. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things you mentioned about forecasting, I think, is pretty reflective of the whole product management role that a lot of people maybe don't realize looking from the outside is that so much of your job is working on a team. Yeah. Right. You have your core product team and then you also have this other broader team within the company where you are working pretty hand in hand with sales and marketing and executives. And uh, like you said, you're involved in the sales calls a, a lot of times. And so you're not necessarily pulling those numbers together, but you're helping to coordinate and yep. sort of giving your input from the product side. And it's, it is, it's, it's always really collaborative. Yeah. Uh, and if it's a big is, enough company, it's a global team as well. Right. So you've yep. got, you know, and then you've got, you know, you're different. That product is differentiated sometimes for by country for sure. The packaging is because of the hand mm-hmm. tags and whatnot. And sometimes even the product is, you know, you're going to launch this color only in Europe and you're going to launch this color only in North America. And so there's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of people involved. Yeah. So, so what was your favorite part about being a product manager? Uh, I really liked being connected to all that stuff. I mean, as challenging as it was, I like, I, I've always been, you know, I, when I played sports as a kid, I was always, you know, the leader, the captain, the quarterback, whatever. So I always liked that res- role of responsibility and I enjoyed working with those folks. It's, you know, some companies are more acrimonious than others. Some are, everybody gets along great and some don't. That's always a challenge, mm-hmm. but um, it's just super fun, you know, being part of that leadership group and working closely with those guys at a high level to get things done accomplished and figure out how you're going to solve some of the problems that come come your way yeah and i think that's one that's one common thing that i hear from from people who enjoy the the product management role is you have to enjoy having your fingers in a lot of different areas yeah right working with a lot of different types of people being able to go from a high level to a micro level and you know while you're thinking about a five-year strategy 10 minutes later you got to be thinking about you know, the verbiage on a hang tag, right. (laughs) And that, that going back and forth and being able to manage both of those is again, it's part of the challenge, but it's also part of the fun, right. right? right. You have to be wired that way in order for, you know, in order to enjoy the role in my experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you read a lot, uh, any, you know, any books that you've read either on general business or product management that you, you know, you have kind of felt like, uh, you know, gave you a, a unique perspective or helped you out? Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great books that I've read. Um, a couple that come to mind, Jim Collins, good to great, I think was a really mm-hmm. good book that, that helps 
all, all aspects of business, whether you're a sales guy or product guy, marketing guy, whatever. I think that's a great book um, mm-hmm. that, that helps you see the big picture. And then um, Simon, Sinek, Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why is uh, a newer book that I read that really brought home. It's important to, to have a, a, a starting point like why you're doing this, because mm-hmm. you can get all the way to the end and realize, you know what, we, we, you look around and go, we don't, we kind of don't need this. We've got these three things over here and then mm-hmm. you, just, you just wasted all that time. So those are two that, uh, two of my favorites, I think. Yeah. And those are, those are two great, great examples. I think with the, with the start with why with Simon Sinek, I think that's because a lot of times you can get so hung up with reacting to the market. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, which is part of the job and it's part of what you need to do to make the business run, right. Is reacting to to business opportunities. And, uh, and, and, but sometimes you can, to your point, forget about the why, which is that larger, (laughs) deeper connection with the user and with the consumer. And I always get really concerned as a product manager when, when you start talking about the customer, right. And, you know, and, and people in the room say, well, yeah, that's the retailer. Right. And you say, well, it's actually the person buying the product, right? Like, so being mm-hmm. really clear, because again, it's the why, mm-hmm. right? Identify, you know, how, how that impacts both, both of those customers, because they are both customers that you, that you should pay attention to, but making sure that that ties back to the brand and to the, again, to the greater purpose of the brand and, and, and the category. Why are you doing it? Yeah. The, right. And depending on where you are on the chain, if you're working for a retailer, then your consumer, the consumer is actually your, your only right. customer. But if you're working for a brand, you have two customers and you have to, you know, the, one of the things that we did a pretty good job of, uh, beginning at Eagle Creek, but everywhere I've been is involving both customers in the process mm-hmm. going out there and getting an early read and an early look to the point where we would go out to, you know, Best Buy and Target with drawings of stuff, mm-hmm. pictures mm-hmm. of colors before we even had a product made. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, and then bringing in consumer focus groups. I was at with Jansport a couple of times. We'd go up to Jackson and hang out there for a week and have all these outdoor consumers come in and talk about day packs or ski mm-hmm. packs or whatever it might be. So both of those components are an important part of it. Yeah. And I think what you, you know, the challenge is always, when do you bring in that feedback? Right. And I, that's, that's an interesting part of the puzzle because, you know, I'm sure you experience where you plot a sample or you show an, an image and you <laughs> as a product person have a really clear understanding of, you know, cause you wrote the brief and you've been involved in this whole process. You know what it's going to look like. You can sort of conceptualize, right? You yeah. always hear about sample goggles, right? <laughs> and so you always have to, and for those listening, sample goggles are kind of what you have to throw on when you see that first round sample. And it looks nothing like what the final product will look like, right? But you're problem solving, you're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, it's the first stab at making a physical version of, of a drawing, right? And so it can be challenging sometimes to help people understand, uh, you know, and again, both salespeople and, and, uh, and in consumers and retailers, right? Yeah. And some people yeah. do it better than others. It's just an interesting challenge uh, when you're getting that feedback. But like you said, super critical to get feedback. Yeah. Vital. Yeah, definitely. You got to do it. Yeah. So what do you wish you had known earlier in your career or, you know, and maybe that's something you wish you would have known earlier that you could tell to yourself uh, or it's something you would have done differently looking back. Uh, man, that's a tough one. I've had a lot of fun. I've worked on a lot of great teams. Um, I've always, I guess, I think I've always been 
uh, a very critical, demanding guy. And I think I would, I wish I was a little less focused on that and um, cut everybody a little more slack. I think mm-hmm. I, I pushed some folks harder maybe than they needed to be pushed. But, you know, I, that's the old sports guy in me, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to run to your puke, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's not always the right approach to take. Yeah. And I think it, that comes with age, too. I mean, you just get older and you get a lot more mellow when you get older. So, Yeah, like you said, I think that's a pretty common learning that uh, that most people <laughs> especially a type personalities who, right. you know, which, which I think is pretty common in, in the world of product managers and sales folks too. Well, right? it's funny. Have you been watching the last dance about Michael Jordan? I have, I haven't. It's on my list though, for sure. I've been, yeah, I've been seeing it in the news a lot. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. One of the things that's been coming up lately is the, how he pushed people. I mean, to mm-hmm. the point of he was a bully mm-hmm. and having played sports, not at that level, obviously, but that's, that's what you kind of do in, both work and, and life and sports sometimes is you have to just, you know, get somebody so mad at you that that really brings out the the player in them, the talent in them that you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but there are, there are, there are techniques and ways to do that, that I wish I had a few more of those techniques early in my career. Well, and, and I think one of the, you know, connected to that, I, I think one of the other learnings that is related to that is that, even if as a product manager, you have a really clear understanding of something that needs to happen in a category or it, you know, if you can't coax the organization into actually making those changes, then it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the, the maximum amount of change that you can actually execute on is what you should, is what you should push for. Right. In any category or, you know, and I think that's, that's an important learning that I think is, is tied to that. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Cause some, some people, some organizations just can't get to where you want them to go, at least yeah. not right now. So you have to back off and go where they can go and save that stuff for the next time. So, yeah, yeah I think yeah, assessing the company and kind of the, you know, because again, you can only, it only is worthwhile if you can execute on what you're trying to execute. You can stomp on. your feet and pound the table all you want. It ain't going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. So, so any, you know, any advice, what, what would you say to aspiring outdoor industry product manager? Any other thoughts? I mean, what would you tell people if they called you up and said, Hey, what advice do you have for me? Um, I think the only other thing other than, uh, like I said, you know, you got to get out whatever, whatever you're designing. I don't care if it's a backpack or a, a new China set or something, you've got to go get out and use it in the field and, cook with it and do whatever it is with it so that you know how it works and how it functions and, and as well as the competition and, mm-hmm. you know, get to where things are sold, whether it's retail, wholesale, get to those places, look, look over the competition. But the other thing too, I, I would tell people too, is, you know, you really have to embrace the other members of the team because it is, it does take the team. It can't just be the designer creating this cool whiz bang thing. It, you've got to, you know, you, as a designer, you got to go talk to the sales guys, you know, as a product manager, you got to go talk to the sales guys and the marketing guys and, and, and make sure that you're all on the same page and have the same vision. It'd just be that much more successful if you do and when you do. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I always like to ask product people, what is the, what is the, the favorite product that you worked on and, and why? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I would say probably at Jansport, we worked on some new technical packs. I was at Jansport specifically to work on the outdoor category and Jansport had vacated the outdoor 
traditional outdoor category years and years and years ago. They didn't make mm. technical packs anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and we were charged with, you know, getting back in that market because they were just doing day packs, you know, they, mm-hmm. all of us as kids had a day pack. And so we were the first group that got to work on the, you know, the new evolution of the Tahoma and other, some mm. other technical day packs that they were doing. So that was pretty fun. We created some pretty cool, unique product. It never got to market because there were just other headwinds, you know, facing the business at that point in time. But, um, that was, that was a super fun project. As I look back at my career, some of the most challenging, you know, projects that you worked on at the time that (laughs) where you felt like you were hitting your head, you know, common thing that I hear from, from product folks is it was innovative. It was new. It was really challenging, but it was incredibly rewarding. And sometimes that's whether it actually Mm -hmm. hits the market or not, like you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure that there were things that, uh, that were learned during those projects that impacted, uh, you know, future development and, and future product that came out. Well, yeah, the cool, some of the cool things that came out of those technical packs were some of the features and fabrics and whatnot trickled down into the day packs, right? So mm-hmm. we did use a lot of a lot of the the concepts, just not the whole. You didn't get the whole enchilada all at once, but um, you know, we got to go test them on the Mount Rainier climbs, and it was just it was just fantastic, super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So as you look at the last 12 months, I know, you know, you've been doing a lot of podcasting, um, a lot of podcasting. I'm always amazed at how many episodes <laughs> you're able, you're able to put out, but what's, what's been the most valuable skill that you've picked up over the last 12 months? Man, I got to say it's podcasting. It's, uh, it's interesting how I stumbled into the podcast and just for whatever reason, it's been a natural, thing for me to do it's it's super fun and it does help for my show the outdoor biz podcast it's about the outdoor industry and it it was originally developed to share all the great stories that go on an outdoor retailer twice a year you know we go to that Mm -hmm. show and it's a huge you know gathering of the tribe so to speak and and then the community goes dark for six months and when you're at the show there's a lot of hugs and high fives and beers in the aisles and back slapping and stories that get told that that may only get told there in that aisle at that time. And mm-hmm. uh, so the goal was, uh, was to share those stories. So it's been super fun to, you know, reach out to all the folks that I know and have them come on the show and, and share a little bit of how they got involved in the story. And, and as you know, as you're getting into this, there's a whole nother level of equipment and technique mm-hmm. and online editing and, uh, you know, all these things to get a podcast, A, recorded, B, put together into a, a something that's listenable and then see uploaded so people can get mm-hmm. it on all the apps all over the place. So that's been yeah. pretty, pretty technical. And I love the way that you describe, you know, I didn't realize that that was your original concept for the podcast, right? Which is such a yeah, great yeah. way of, of, of thinking about it. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on the, the cancellation of OR and then this new potential kind of virtual format. Like how does that impact the, you know, the beer in the aisle or the, or the back slapping, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be different. I mean, it's going to be, I think a lot of that still goes on because, uh, you know, as you travel as a sales guy or a product guy, you know, once you get in there behind closed doors with someone talking about product, there's a lot of camaraderie and, and this is just a huge community, but, um, the big celebrations are going to be different. You know, it's going to be, uh, I don't know that we'll ever have that show the way we have it again. And I really haven't thought it's kind of sad to think about all those, that stuff going away. Um, I hope we get a handle on the virus and get a vaccine and get something that allows us to treat it more like the flu is. And when you're sick, you don't have to go, but 
getting sick doesn't mean you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be great. And I, I have faith in, in our country and our, our folks. They'll figure that out. But in the meantime, it's going to be very virtual. And it's going to be very tough to, to get those that emotion across and that camaraderie across. across. But, you know, Zoom and, and all these things we're doing online, you know, you can see people yucking it up and, and you know, uh, virtual high-fiving. And I think there'll still be a lot of that. It's just just the way the industry is. It's just a part yeah. of our DNA. You know, that's never going to go away. We love to celebrate. Well, and I think, you know, what you're doing, I think will become that much more important, right? Because, yeah. uh, as, as this, you know, we don't have the shows and as many opportunities to get together as an industry, then, then that opportunity to sort of hear people's stories. And I think, mm-hmm. I almost think there's going to be an explosion in that type of interaction, right? Where there's some, some growth there that there hasn't oh, been totally. in the past. Yeah, I think you're right. I've seen a lot of cool stuff come out that's not, hasn't been rolled out online yet, but there's a lot of people doing a lot of cool things with this, all the virtual tools that we have, whether it be zoom and Skype and, and some of the, um, the more avatar based things. But, um, I think, and I think it's going to impact everybody. I mean, I think if you're everybody from a brand to a retailer, to a sales rep, if you're not figuring out how to, and using some of these tools and setting up a little studio or something Mm -hmm. in your, in your place to make sure you got good lighting and good recording and good audio, then you're missing the boat because we're all going to have to do it one way or another. And I would rather be a sales rep and be in front of it on making sales presentations rather than have the brand tell me that because you don't have it, we're going to move in a different direction. Right. And whether brand retailer, everybody product guy, you know, you figure it out there, all the tools are easy for us to use. Mm -hmm. Dawson and I can use it. We, we could have videoed this, but we're, uh, you know, we're not savvy in that technique yet, but I bet a year from now we are. Right. And um, you just figure it out. I mean, make it happen. No, it's a, it's a great point. And I think product specifically, you know, there's, there's always an element of, of working in product that is, mm-hmm. that is virtual and long distance, right? Because yeah. you're, you're working with factories and you're having, you know, late night calls with Asia and, you know, dealing with spotty internet connections and, right. and all the other things, right. And you're trying to deal with sometimes reviewing samples through photography and through, you know, mm-hmm. zoom calls and those types of things. So I think that, uh, you know, in some ways product people are pretty well positioned, I think, to, you know, to, to be able to yeah, figure some right. of those things out. Right. And, and, it, yeah. and hopefully move forward a little bit past some of the, maybe some of the weak points that <laughs> that, well, that we had in the past as it evolves. Well, and that's, that's one of the good things that's coming out of this is it's going to force us to get better tools. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think everybody's on zoom and I think around the country, around the world, we realized that we thought we had the whiz bang, a 5g high speed internet. Mm-hmm. And we realized, you know, when everybody's on zoom, we don't. So right. they'll figure that out and it'll be like TV is today. It'll eventually be seamless and we won't even know it. And we'll laugh about the old days. Remember how clutchy that was? And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it will. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. But uh, but Rick, you know, I just want to thank you. It's been great to kind of connect and, yeah, and like thanks. I said, learn about your background and, and hear about what you've been doing. As people look to connect with you, what what is what's the best way to keep in touch? Where can everybody find you? Uh, I'm all over the socials, obviously, with the podcast. The podcast is called The Outdoor Biz Podcast. You can find me all over the socials at Rick Says. Says is S. A E Z. You can email me at rick at ricksays.com. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the places. As you know, you got to be once you, once you throw a podcast out there, geez, it's, I post three times a day. seems like on some of these, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, that's it. Very cool. Awesome. Thanks Rick. Appreciate it. And thanks uh, Dawson. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Take it easy. 
This episode is brought to you by OutdoorPMSchool.com, an eight-week online course designed for aspiring outdoor industry product managers. Check out OutdoorPMSchool.com to learn more about who we are and how we can help.